what's up y'all how y'all doing welcome to episode 7 of black fashion history thank you for listening in again and tuning in with me of course you know this is the podcast that chronicles the contributions of black people all around the world to luxury fashion and i'm your host taniqua russ here to sprinkle some black fashion facts in your life and as always i am overly excited to talk to you guys about today's topic i added a little melody in there for y'all you know just in case you wanted it i know you ain't asked for it but i gave it to you anyway it's free so take it enjoy it it's a gift (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to stop playing around and get into the goodies of the show. At the top of every episode, we do spotlights highlighting people and platforms or organizations within black fashion culture that's really putting on and paving the way for people of color. Today's spotlight is a little bit different. It's a mix of spotlight and fashion news slash hot topics. And to be honest, I stay away from news on this podcast because I find fashion news uh, as it relates to black people to be a lot of, oh, lack of diversity here, lack of diversity here, lack, 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 blackface, blackface, oh, they hate black people, news, news. And I'm not trying to do on that. This is a black excellence podcast. We talk about the amazing things that black people have done in fashion. And I really don't always want to talk about oh lack of diversity racism yada 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 but when we have fashion news that's celebrating black excellence i always want to take a moment to include it and talk about it so today's spotlight we are going to actually do news now if you follow us over on black fashion closet you kind of saw this already but you probably don't know that you saw this already and if you don't follow us pause this podcast right now and head over to instagram type in black fashion closet and hit follow but in the stories this week we posted that for 2019 it's the second year in a row that the cfda vogue fashion fund winner is a black designer last year the winner was kirby raymond jean of pierre moss and this year is christopher john rogers so if you don't know the cfda vogue fashion fund was created in 2003 and it's to help emerging american designers and design talent grow in the fashion industry the winner receives a four hundred thousand dollar award plus a year of mentorship from a cfda member and they're to use their mentorship and their money to build up their brand and you know create a name for themselves in fashion uh the cfda stands for the council of fashion designers of america just so you guys can have more clarity and it literally includes everyone who's ever done anything in fashion like they're a member from ralph lauren to diddy side note if y'all want to hear a fun black fashion history fact Diddy was the first black male designer to win the CFDA Top Menswear Designer of the Year Award in 2004 for his Sean John collection. And that's a big deal. Like that award is typically won by the likes of like Ralph Lauren, Michael Kors, your Tommy Hilfiger, your Tom Browns, like those kinds of things. And so for Diddy, not only a black male, but also a black hip hop artist at a time where urban and I'm using air quotes so which y'all could see me but urban fashion was looked down upon for him to come from Sean John and the track suits and really create um 
an overall like lifestyle brand that expands from kind of the club to the boardroom and to win a coveted fashion award for it it really like stamped his name in the industry gave him notoriety so shout out to diddy and shout out to christopher john rogers who won the fashion fund this year he is a 25 year old designer from baton rouge louisiana if you guys don't know who he is you know his designs have been worn by michelle obama tracy ellis ross ashley graham regina king rihanna lizzo and so on like the list can go on and on and on and on forever we even featured him on black fashion closet plenty of times i know that is nothing in comparison to being worn by rihanna and Michelle Obama but I'm just saying (laughs) he's one of our favorites and definitely someone who's aesthetic that I personally love and I'm really excited for him can't wait to see all of the amazing collections that come from the money and the mentorship I'm curious who he chose as a mentor I don't know if they get to choose their own mentor because like I said CFDA members are literally everyone and the who's who in fashion so I don't know if they get to choose their own mentor if they're assigned a mentor either way I'm curious to see who his mentor is but I know no matter what great things are coming from it he's a super talented young designer uh and uh, yeah I'm just excited so in some years hopefully I'll be able to board his stuff and I'll be able to rock it there's no black fashion vocab word slash term for this week uh, yes, I know. As I was doing the research, though, I didn't really find a word that stood out to me that needed to be defined. Everything was pretty much common knowledge uh, in terms of things that described our legend for today. So just go back and practice the words that we had. Last week, it was sportswear and streetwear. And then the week before that was a milliner. So use those words, sprinkle in your fashion vocabulary, go to the store. Uh, use it in the shops all that good jazz and um, you know we got to take a little break and cut to our sponsor real quick but before we do all that I want you to prepare your minds to learn about a really great not only designer but black male and advocate Um, he broke racial barriers for black designers in fashion and he's known as both the grandfather and the dean of black designers so get into this quick word from anchor and then we're going to come back and talk all about arthur mcgee so you want to start a podcast right I know it can seem really daunting and complicated to have to think through how to record it or how to edit it and even how to upload it. But don't worry about any of that. I'm about to give you the only tool you need to create an A1 top of the line podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even start making money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Now all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm, that's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started today. Now let's get back into our content. 
Arthur Lee McGee was born on March 25, 1933 in Detroit, Michigan. His mother was one of his earliest and biggest influences when it came to fashion. His mom, Rose, was a skilled clothes maker as well as a milliner. Ooh, we know what that word means. So Arthur said of his mom, she could make anything. She would take a piece of newspaper and make it into a pattern, then make a garment out of it. He also started designing hats for her at the age of 15. At 18, he won a design competition sponsored by the Trap Hagen School of Fashion in Manhattan, New York, and that earned him a scholarship to go to New York and study at the Trap Hagen School as well as the Fashion Institute of Technology. His mother was a milliner. She loved hats, and Arthur grew up making hats as a teenager, so he was put in the millinery division as well as the apparel design division. Now, Mr. McGee found out very quickly that school was not for him, mostly because they were racist. <laughs> he said, I stayed in school for maybe six months, then I quit because they said to me, there's no job for a black designer. He bounced and later went to work for a couturier and set up his own little operation downtown catering to actresses. He then moved into making clothes for Broadway actors, as well as working for some companies on 7th Avenue. When he started out working as a designer in the 1950s, as you can imagine, fashion was not a friendly place for black people. Uh, he was working in back rooms, designing whole collections for brands without receiving any credit. Very similar to what they did to Anne Lowe, as we discussed in episode one, and what they did to Mildred Blount, as we discussed in episode maybe five. So another example of the talents of black designers being used and them not receiving not only their due credit, but their money and their recognition for the amazing work that they're doing. But Mr. McGee never let that stop him. He kept pushing and kept going with the design. And he even said, when you love fashion, you do it no matter what. They try to keep us in a corner, but I know I'm good and I'll be designing when I'm 95. And he was definitely correct because he was good. In 1957, Arthur McGee was tapped to run the design room for the sportswear. Ooh, another word that we learned. The sportswear company, Bobby Brooks, and that made him the first African-American black person to lead a 7th Avenue house. And that was just the beginning of the barriers that he would break down for black designers in the industry. Now, for him to be, or uh, not to be, but to run the design room for a company on 7th Avenue. Remember, in previous episodes, we discussed that 7th Avenue is the Wall Street. And back then was the Wall Street of fashion. If you wanted to do fashion, that is where you go. And if you had either a star or um, a shop or you were designing at one of the houses, you were a big deal. And so for a black man in the late 1950s to be running the design room for a huge company on 7th Avenue, that was unheard of. That was something that you did not see. And that was amazing. And it definitely brought a lot of hope to designers that came after him. Another noted fashion designer named B. Michael, uh, he has said that you know once he learned of Arthur McGee and the work that he was doing on 7th Avenue that really inspired him and really reminded him that he could make it in the industry 
as a designer. And that's the kind of thing that we need to see. I say all the time that people need to see your journey. People need to see your work because you're inspiring somebody. And here's another example of this black man. um, Yes, doing what he loves, but also being very intentional about the spaces that he's in because he understands that being black in this industry is not something that's celebrated and doors are often closed on him. But um, just making himself visible so that other people can see, other people can be encouraged, and they can go on and do great things. In the early 1960s, Arthur McGee opened a shop on St. Mark's Place in Manhattan, and in 1965, he opened his own store on Third Avenue, and he named it The Store. Very cheeky, and I love it. And he really wanted to be a space for people who didn't just want to buy clothes, but buy things that were made well in good fabrics, and kind of, um, I would say, battled against, you know, mass production. His collection didn't just sell in his store, but it also sold in high-end department stores of the time. So Bloomingdale's, Henri Bendel, Saks Fifth Avenue, Bergdorf Goodman, and Lord and & Taylor. And his clothing was unique because it combined African fabrics with Asian-inspired silhouettes. And that really uh, made him a brand that was able to cater to a wide variety of ethnicities, which is another thing that is a bit groundbreaking for a black designer. And not because black designers can't cater to other ethnic groups or different demographics of people, but because people tend to put black designers in a box. So they see a black person, especially during this time, they assume you can only design for black people. And if you're definitely doing things that are inspired by African fabrics or colors, they're absolutely pigeonholing you and saying, oh, this is only for a black person so to be able to pull in um, inspiration from different continents of the world and to have it sold in luxury fashion stores and then it appealed to a wide variety of people that was making a statement in itself even if he didn't mean to Mr. McGee also designed for celebrities like Cicely Tyson, both as an actress and when she was a model, Sybil Burton, Lena Horne, jazz musician Dexter Gordon, Stevie Wonder, and the Dance Theater of Harlem founder Arthur Mitchell. Side note, I think that I want to raid the Dance Theater of Harlem founder's closet or just like the Dance Theater of Harlem's costume room because every time I research and I'm learning more about a black designer or black figure in fashion I've learned that they've worked with the Dance Theater of Harlem on some level and so they must just have archives of amazing stuff that I just would love to touch to see maybe buy have hold all that good stuff so um Dance Theater of Harlem if y'all can hear me hook your girl up I want to see what y'all got (laughs) Anyway, Arthur McGee also designed bridal and he was a trailblazer and barrier breaker in that respect as well. He really um, was at the forefront of the non-traditional bridal wear. So creating dresses made with layers of organza over Chinese silk or doing things like wide leg pants, a crepe blouse, uh, and calling that bridal. As we know, bridal is normally considered big poofy ball gowns things in that feel and anything outside of that is considered non-traditional then you take it a step further and you add pants in there for a bridal collection you're really going over the top so for 
Arthur McGee to do that. That was pretty cool. And also encouraged other designers to step out the box as well when it came to bridal. He joked that he designed so many wedding gowns and so much bridal stuff that he could not keep track of it. He actually even said, that's probably why I had an aneurysm because of the wedding dresses. During the pinnacle of his design career in the late 60s where he owned his own business, he was one of the only and early black designers to do so. Um, there were black designers at work, but they were either working in the back or for major labels without receiving credit or they just worked in the retail stores, not necessarily in a design capacity, even if they were talented and could design. There just wasn't a lot of space or welcome for black designers in the industry. That's why Arthur McGee mentored other designers of color, including Willie Smith, who we talked about last week. When asked about his interest in mentoring other designers, Arthur McGee stated, I was the only one around. Everyone came to my studio. I used to go out at night. I used to help people, all the people around the city who wanted to be designers. So he understood what he faced coming up in the industry, what he continued to face even as he was mentoring other designers. And he really wanted to help them navigate those hardships and be successful just as much or greater than he was. Uh, he was also a supporter of the Fashion Coalition, which was a group that was formed in 1968 to promote the advancements of black people in the fashion industry and encourage more black people to join the organization as well as the industry. Um, he was not here for the marginalization of black designers, and he stated that we are not black in quotes, designers, but American designers. As soon as you categorize us, you can erase us. Now, I know there sometimes is some back and forth every time an artist mentions that they don't want to be known as a black artist or a black, you know, whatever the thing that they're doing. And it can kind of seem like Arthur McGee is saying the same thing. But I think the point that he was trying to get across is that every time it comes to people of color, black people especially, there's always a type of othering. You know, they... And by they, I mean society, the world, the system, whatever you call it, um, likes to put black people in a category and set them over there. And so I think his point is that um, as soon as you put designers or black designers into this black category, you set them outside of the industry, you set them over there as if they can't fit in. And then it makes it easier for you to ignore them and makes it easier for you to behave as if they didn't exist. And that's what he was against. He was against the othering of black designers. I don't think he had a problem or this is saying that he has a problem being identified as a black designer because he mentored other black designers. He understood, you know, what it meant to be the first black person to do things in the industry or, you know, to be treated with contempt when he went to the store to buy fabrics because people didn't believe he was a designer or to not be given credit for his work. He understood the implications of all of that and how they were a result of his race. But he's saying, you know, stop the other rank so that you can't erase us from the industry. You can't erase us from history. You can't erase our work and open the doors for other people. 
Arthur McGee died earlier this year on July 1st at the age of 86. However, he died with the respect of his peers in the industry, black, white, or other. Um, and he died as the grandfather of black designers everywhere. So thank you to Arthur McGee. You know, without Arthur McGee, there could not be Christopher John Rogers winning the CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund or Kirby John Raymond winning, you know, the Fashion Fund last year or all of these designers that get accolades or Rihanna, you know, being the first black woman or person in general to have a label under the LVMH fashion house you know there wouldn't be all of these landmark occurrences for black fashion culture without him you know one just standing up in his space owning you know being a black man in fashion helping and working to put others on and then also just being present sometimes it really is enough to just do what you do um, and do it proudly and allowing other people to see that and that will you know open doors for you but that will also open doors for other people because they now know that they can do it so thank you Arthur McGee um, you are a legend and we hate that we didn't get to honor you while you were alive but you deserve all of the flowers And that's all I got for you guys today. Thanks again for listening to Black Fashion History. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe. Leave us a review, please. Five stars, preferably. But you know, whatever you got and whatever you thought about it, we appreciate that too. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to check the episode description for notes and links to all of my sources as always follow us on the gram at black fashion history podcast and that's where i post some pictures of the designer this week will be arthur mcgee as well as some of their designs i said this last week i'm gonna say it again i know i've been slacking on posting but um i'm gonna work to catch up so definitely follow bottle <laughs> definitely follow look forward to arthur mcgee and join us next week for another black fashion installment bye